welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, we are in episode 85. I just looked at where we were at before we jumped on, and I'm I'm kind of in shock that we've made it that far. It's been over a year, and we're we're knocking on 100. It's still 15 weeks away, but we're knocking on 100, and, and I think that's super cool. Um, this week, we're kind of, there's been a lot of hype, and I've been trying to ignore it because I don't want to get my blood boiling over climate change and agriculture being pointed fingers at and all that sort of thing, but we're, we're in the limelight for some, some negativity again, and we have a very special guest on. Before we dive into the topic, I'm going to let Miss um, Brandy Buzzard introduce herself. We were talking before we got started on roping and rodeo, so I'm super excited to have her on um, to talk about this topic, but also to be able to kind of connect on, on horses and, and having a rope in our hand. So Brandy, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm excited to be on the Millennial Ag Podcast. Um, like Valine said, my name is Brandy Buzzard. I am a rancher. I live in Southeast Kansas. My husband and I operate a seed stock Gelvian balancer operation. I also have a full-time job in the beef, um, in the beef industry and then have a bunch of side hobbies. One of which is, is passionately uh, pursuing roping as much as possible while also trying to raise a, a toddler. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, awesome. And again, thank you for joining us. Um, So we kind of seen that plant-based diets are, you know, being a push again, specifically, um, and I'm going to butcher the name of this magazine, um, but Epicurious has, you know, kind of said that they're going to switch to only plant-based diets. What was the reasoning behind that? And why did this happen? Well, their reasoning was, I actually found this out um, when they announced on Instagram, but they, um, they're in, they're trying to encourage what they say is more sustainable cooking. So they seem to have bought into the hype that other, you know, that plant-based foods are better for the environment or are less impactful than beef and animal protein. So they're kind of going down that path. And what I learned was that they actually made this change of not creating any new beef recipes about a year ago, apparently, but, um, they just announced it on Instagram, I guess, right? Like the first week of May was maybe something like that. So about three weeks ago. And yeah, so that pretty much caught everybody off guard. It's not surprising. I feel like that's kind of the new, the quote unquote, cool thing for some food outlets and restaurants to do right now. Um, but I, I do think that their reasoning was misplaced. Why do you think that, Brandy? Well, I, I think it's pretty easy for all of us, especially those of us in agriculture, to understand that all food has an impact. And it's a shame that you can't, that like our, your listeners can't see me because I'm like actively <laughs> saying with my hands, all food has an impact. Um, right down from beef down to kale to uh iceberg lettuce to carrots to cheese. I mean, all food has an impact. And I think we need to be cognizant of the fact that all of agriculture only accounts for 10% of greenhouse gas emissions and cattle are only responsible for 2% of that. So when we're talking about all the benefits we get in terms of carbon sequestration, um, a high quality protein, gobs and gobs of byproducts from, um, from raising cattle, I mean, I think that the the carbon 
or maybe like the climate trade-off is very much um, worth it. And again, all of our food is going to have an impact. It's not really feasible to have a food supply with no impact on the climate. So I think that people kind of miss the forest for the trees thinking, well, I'll get rid of this food and substitute with that. Well, the substitute still has an impact as well. So I think that more critical thinking needs to go into these types of decisions. And probably more importantly, involving farmers and ranchers and like ag scientists in these decisions really seems to be missing most of the time. And I think that's like a tragedy that these food companies and websites or restaurants or whatever, they're missing out on the opportunity to learn more about where their food comes from simply by talking to a farmer or rancher. And then the other, you know, the other uh, disadvantage to that is that they're then making kind of knee-jerk reactions based on not that are not based on the science behind environmental science. Well, and it seems like just common sense. I think we're in a season where emotions are running high for a variety of different reasons in a variety of different places and everything's a knee jerk reaction. But if, if we can eat every day for only 10% of all the greenhouse gases, that's still pretty impressive in my eyes that, that our food supply, you know, is, is that low really. Um, we had talked earlier on our podcast, it's been quite a few episodes ago about, you know, President Biden using ag as a solution for some of this carbon sequestration and some of his initiatives. Why do you think we got another hype almost in the reverse, reverse way? Or where did that come from? Do you think? I well, so sustainability in the food industry has been kind of a big trend for the past you know, like six, seven, eight years. And, um, you know, that's just something consumers, rightfully so, I'm a consumer and I'm concerned about our environment and grocery shoppers across the nation and world are concerned about our climate and what the earth is gonna look like in 10, 20, 30 years. So I think that those are valid concerns and sustainability is just not an issue that's gonna go away because it affects all of us, it affects our children, it affects our grandchildren. So um, I think that that is just gonna continue to be a, an issue that pops up. But thankfully, we as farmers and ranchers have a great story to tell about how we are taking care of the environment and what we do every day. And even though we account for 10% of emissions, I, I don't think that's a reason that we shouldn't try to get better I think that through ag technologies and, and better practices and improved efficiencies, we can probably get that number down a little bit lower. But at some point, we're gonna have to accept the fact that this is what food, the impact of agriculture is on our, on our climate and it's gonna have to be acceptable. But I don't think that we should stop working to get better. I think we should always be striving to continuously improve while also maintaining a, a a good grasp of reality. That's the key right there, maintaining a good grasp on reality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a t-shirt with that on. <laughs> I bet you'd sell a lot of them. Um, how, how do you think, thinking about that, maintaining a good grasp on reality, um, how does agriculture be more proactive to this type of um, occurrence than reactive? 
<clears throat> sometimes I feel like it's really hard to be proactive because you don't know where to focus your efforts until you see it's kind of like that whack-a-mole game, you know, <laughs> in arcades. Like you don't know what you should be focusing on until it already happened. But I'm hoping that, you know, we were, I work every day via my blog and social media outlets and, you know, doing interviews like this with you guys with podcasts and things like that and panels to try to encourage people to be agriculture advocates in their everyday life not just when there is, when something happens that we don't like, not when just Epicurious pulls beef, not just when Burger King makes a silly commercial. You know, being an advocate is a consistent, I guess, role or job, and we shouldn't be doing it only when we are in the reactive mode, but also doing it when we're below the radar and there's not all the clicks and things like that. So, I mean, for me, the how of that is I'm going to keep writing blog posts. I'm going to keep being active on Instagram and, and connecting. I have an audience there of, of moms and of, you know, I have a lot of uh, like urban people who don't live on farms and ranches, but aren't necessarily parents. So just followers who are not farmers and ranchers. And I'm going to keep posting on there and sharing information about why we do things we do. And then the next time an Epicurious or a Burger King happens, you know, I'm hoping that those people will, um, you know, they'll think, oh, I, I'm following this rancher on, on Instagram and I'm going to go check out and see what she has to say. Um, and planting those little seeds and trying to build those relationships every day rather than just once a month or whatever. So what specific stories do you kind of tell through your blog and what's been like most popular or what have you gotten the most traction, I guess, on to reach a broader audience? Well, well, by far the biggest, uh, the most traction I ever got was, has been a blog post I wrote when it was an open letter to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. And that was way back in February of 2019. That one's been seen about a quarter, over a quarter of a million times. Um, but it was, I, I took a different approach to that, you know, for the previous years of blogging, I had done what kind of seems to be the quote unquote popular thing to do is if a company does something that we don't like to call them out and say, you know, you're being ridiculous and why'd you do that? And yada, yada, yada. And I guess for lack of a better term, I almost hate this term, but to cancel them. Um, and it gets you clicks and it gets you page views and things like that. But is it actually ever do any work? Does it actually ever like make any, um, any headway? You know, if I get really ticked off and insult um, Congressman Ocasio-Cortez, do, is that going to make her want to have a discussion with me about the environment and cattle and sustainable food? No. I mean, you don't insult people and then expect them to invite you to their table. So I wrote that letter to her in a different way in a, you know, I understand that you have concerns about the environment. I'm a rancher and I do too. And here's what we do to improve, you know, uh, to improve our environment, to preserve it and to ensure that it's here for the next generation. So I did that. And I think that's part of the reason it took off. So when the Burger King, when Burger King did that commercial, I took that same path and it wasn't as I don't think anything will ever be as successful as the letter to congresswoman and then I did the same thing with Epicurious so I've really just started trying to be more 
relatable in terms of the fact that I am someone that cares about the environment and I, and I do care, I, I very much care about it. So I'm going to say that in my blog posts and I'm going to say all the things that I do that have nothing to do with ranching that I'm doing to preserve it, like recycling, like taking public transportation when I can. I live in the country, but when we go on vacation somewhere, we take public transport, you know, meal planning to cut down on food waste. So I've started really working hard to try to be relatable and I feel like I am relatable to a lot of people. I'm a working mom. If, if you stripped everything about agriculture away, I'm a working mom. And, you know, just based on that, that makes me relatable to a large crowd of people. And so just building around that and adding in little pieces of agriculture and sustainability around it. And that's really kind of what I've been doing for the past two or three years. And I have noticed, you know, significant, a significant difference in the results that I've seen. I, I love that too. And not getting, we're so good at getting reactive and defensive and putting up a shield of it's me versus you rather than maybe you just have a different perspective or you you know, have a different outlook and, and how, how do we, how can we have a similar conversation or relate to something I think is, is really great. What spurred your motivation to even start blogging way back four or five years ago? Whew. <laughs> Well, I've been, I've actually been blogging since 2009. Oh, so um, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, over a decade. But, you know, I have to go back. You touched on like, you know, we get angry. I've had people ask me like, doesn't it make you angry when you see Epicurious do that or Burger King or something? And yes, it makes me very mad. I'm ticked off. I have reddish hair and a short temper. I'm very angry about it. But putting out anger into cyberspace, that's not gonna solve a lot of things. So I, I absolutely, I tell people it's okay to be angry, but like maybe write your blog post and sleep on it and temper your response to, to be more open and engaging rather than just like, I'm mad and this is what you did wrong. Cause that's not a very responsive message. But I started my blog because I got mad about what someone was saying about agriculture and um, I wrote, a, it was like way back in 2009 when I went to school at Kansas State University, go Cats. Um, there was a journalist for the K-State Collegian, the school's newspaper, and she was writing anti-agriculture opinion editorials. And that, she wrote not just one, but it was a lot of them. And finally, one of them just sent me over the edge. And I wrote this really, really long letter to the editor, like a response. And I didn't pay attention to what the... Um, the criteria were to have it printed and it was like 500 words way too long so they didn't print it and from there I thought well what am I gonna do and I was reading um Drovers and there used to be a columnist his name is Chuck Jolly he used to write a weekly column there um for Drovers Cabin Network and I asked him you know I have these thoughts I really think I I want to help make a difference I want to stand up for the beef industry I wrote this letter to the editor here's the situation what should I do with it and he got, he asked me to send it to him and I, he ended up printing it in Drovers online. So at that point I thought, oh, like I, I, you know, I could do this. So I started the blog then and it's really, I've been consistently blogging then for almost, it'll be almost 12 years in the fall, but my, the way I blog, you know, the emotions I use, the topics I cover have really transformed, particularly in this last five or six years, as I have um, 
as we have, a, I've acquired my own herd of cattle. I have a child now. So like my, my style of blogging has really changed over the past, you know, five to six years because I now have, you know, acquired my own herd of cattle with my husband. We have a daughter. So those two things there have made me much more like relatable, I guess, and, and believable as a rancher because I do have cattle and I have a kid. So I'm that working mom, rancher voice. You know, I care about what food I put on my table for my family. And so I've really started seeing um, a lot of different results because of be, because of being more relatable, but also changing my tone of voice and the way that I approach topics. No, I think that's, that's great. And most recently you got featured on you and the new uh, Mexico milkmaid got featured on the weather channel, um, which was super cool. Um, how did that come to be? Um, well, that came to be kind of the same way. I can't speak for Tara of New Mexico milkmaid. Cause I don't know. Um, I don't know her circumstances, but for me, I wrote the blog about Epicurious and then I, you know, I put it on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and, uh, the head booker, the weather channel saw it on one of my social media channels and, and read it and liked it and contacted me. And so he, he contacted me like the week that the Epicurious decision was made and the interview wasn't until two weeks later. So there was a, you know, a, a lag there. Um, but they were doing a series called Growing Solutions, and they're really striving to show more of the stories of like what's actually happening on farms and ranches. And that was really a, a refreshing interview for me because I've been on MSNBC, I've been on Fox News, I've been on CBS News, I've been on three major national news networks, some live, some pre-filmed, and I always felt... Um, you always feel like a little wary that you're going to get thrown this like fastball curveball question, whatever that you weren't expecting. And this, this interview was, was fabulous because I, it was, um, I knew, I knew what talking points they wanted me to say because I got to have this like prep meeting with them and say, they said, you know, they wanted to know what are three things that are important to you. So I was able to highlight those out and then they kind of wrote the, the interview around that. So it didn't feel like I was standing in front of a firing squad. Um, that's not to say that MSNBC and CBS and Fox News felt like a firing squad. That just, this was probably the friendliest ag interview I had done. And it was just like really refreshing because I, I had a lot less anxiety about this one than the other, than the other ones I've done. So um, yeah, I, I owe that, that media appearance definitely happened because of my blog. Again, I can't speak for Tara, but she's at New Mexico Milkmaid on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And she's a fabulous spokesperson for the dairy industry. And she's a dairier, dairy farmer um, with her and her family in New Mexico. And she has a great background in environmental sustainability. And she just, it's like this ray of sunshine. So, I mean, she did a fabulous job. It's cool to hear, you know, a, a channel like the Weather Channel being interested in what's going on in American agriculture that, you know, it maybe seems a little surprising, but it's just another really great outlet to have, to have your voice heard in. So we're excited that you were able to do that. Yeah. I was not expecting, I was, I mean, I was hoping to get some sort of media attention from the Epicurious article. I mean, I'm not denying that, but I wasn't expecting it to come from the weather channel, <laughs> but it's very relevant. We're talking about climate change. So 
it's very appropriate for some, for them to be discussing that kind of a topic. So um, I appreciate the fact that they gave farmers and ranchers a platform and that they were open-minded and they didn't try to spin us one way or the other. So I, I, I loved it. It was great. So, I, and I don't necessarily have complaints about the other outlets at all. I don't have complaints about any of them. I just happen to really, really, really enjoy this one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, turning the page a little bit, not everyone in agriculture feels like they have time to blog, to do a podcast, to interview people, um, you know, whatever the, the media might be, but we feel like everybody plays a role in speaking out for agriculture. Um, what are your words of advice for people to continue to support their industries, even with the busy lifestyles that we all have? So when I was young in middle school, elementary school, middle school, that kind of thing, and rodeoing with my parents, my dad used to tell me, it doesn't matter what you pull into the rodeo when it's what backs out of the trailer. And what that means is it does not matter if you show up in the, to the arena in a brand new freight liner with a 40 foot living quarter trailer. What matters is the horse you back out and how you perform in the arena. And I, I use that as an analogy that you don't have to have a blog with a hundred thousand followers. I, I don't have a blog with a hundred thousand followers. I would love that, but I don't, you don't have to have a podcast. You don't have to be featured on any news channel. Like you don't have to do those things to make an impact. You know, we all have smartphones. We are all working hard with our livestock or on our farm or ranch on pretty much a daily basis. And if you have time to post three photos a week on Instagram or, you know, to put a photo on Facebook, you don't even have to have a blog or a Facebook page, but just showing what you're doing, what we are doing on farms and ranches a little bit every day or every other day that can have an impact. Um, yesterday on my Instagram story, we, um, like I said, we have a seed stock operation. And so when our calves are born, they get their mom's number and their ear tag when we, when we tag at birth, but they're um, almost yearlings now. They're like nine or 10 months old. And so it's time to give them their herd numbers. So I was just showing like an EID button and a dangle tag with their new herd number, like, so 226H or whatever for the year they were born. And that's, we in agriculture may not think that that's really exciting stuff that the, anybody's going to care about that but how many people that aren't in agriculture know that we give cattle eids and that we can trace them from like the farm where they were born to the grocery store where they were where they are processed and are on the shelf i don't think a lot of people know that and so it doesn't have to be groundbreaking information but if you can do a little bit every day a one a facebook post on your personal profile with you know that all your church friends see that aren't in agriculture that shows you out just feeding cows putting hay out you know well I hope you're not putting hay out now because it's almost June but putting <laughs> hay out in January um you know Christmas morning did you feed the animal before you ate breakfast and open presents there's a 99% chance you probably did so just showing those little glimpses of life that makes an effort for the longest time from like 2009 to 2000, February 2019, for almost a whole decade, I got no traction. I didn't have interviews and podcasts and all this happening. I was just posting little things every couple of days, just, you know, chipping away. And, and advocacy and, you know, standing up for our industry is a 
long, consistent process. Um, it's not a flash in the pan type thing. It, it's, we are going to have to consistently stand up for our industry for, for generations to come. I mean, I, I think we all need to come to terms with that, that by the time we have had great relationships built with this generation, the next generation comes along, we need to build those relationships. So consistency is key. You don't have to be a big, you know, so I'm not a celebrity, but you don't have to have this gigantic social following. You don't have to be the farm babe um, or something like that to make a difference. You can make a difference posting every few days, just little snippets of your farm and ranch life. And it will make a difference, I, I promise. I think that's great words of wisdom and great, you know, it's, it doesn't take much, but yeah, having a conversation or, or posting one little thing that somebody may or may not trip across is better than not saying anything at all. And I think, I think that's a great place to end. Um, Brandy, thank you for joining us. Where do you have it? One, do you have any parting thoughts and then where can, can listeners find you um, on all your social media and on your blog? Um, parting thoughts. A long time ago, when I worked for, uh, I worked for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association for about almost, for about four and a half years. And a, a long time ago, when I was working on the Masters of Beef Advocacy Program, I remember, I don't, I don't remember if I heard it somewhere or I read it, but it was, imp it really struck me. And it was something around the fact that like, people like in New York City who live in a high rise apartment who ask you a question about, um, their your foods so like I, you know i live i'm a rural woman rural working mom living in the middle of nowhere kansas i don't have much in common with a, a woman that lives in the, a high-rise apartment in new york city but what i do have in common with her is that i want safe healthy food for my family and so when people ask questions a lot of times they're not being accusatory they just really don't know if someone asks you a question like well I don't even know, like, did that cow eat beef or did that cow eat corn or does it eat grass? You know, we don't necessarily need to launch into some big, huge diatribe about the different benefits to these two production methods. Sometimes people are asking because they truly don't know. They're not trying to be rude. They're not trying to offend us. They just have no grasp of what it's like to be around a farm or a ranch. And they're just asking. And I think we need to always, when we get a question, pause, take a beat, and just take a breath and realize someone just wants to know. So take a breath before you answer and, you know, call me a response. And I think that that, I know that that has helped me have more impactful relationships with people online because I'm remembering that they're not out to get me. They're just asking a question. And so that's my parting thoughts. That was like a dollar's worth of thoughts. And you really just ask for a nickel. Sorry about that. Um, and then where people can find me, I am, on Instagram, Brandy Buzzard, Brandy with an I and Buzzard like the bird. And you can also find me on Facebook uh, is Buzzard's Beat. So B-U-Z-Z-A-R-D-S Beat, B-E-A-T. And that is also my Facebook page. 
Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us and listeners. We thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. If you have any questions, follow-up thoughts, feel free to reach out to us. Our email address is talktousatmillennialag.com, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. Millennial Ag.